gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. The electricity here in Columbia, what has been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Williams Bryce Stadium is second to none. And the rave breaks out in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. J.C. Sherbert. Watch him celebrate now. Phil My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm telling you, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks. The show live from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics and built by the Barn Dominion Co. The Barndo Co. is what they're called. Thank you to those whom have inquired about having them build your dream home. We appreciate that. I know they do too. I spoke yesterday with Alicia and they are just thrilled with this wonderful audience we have here. And we hope that you'll be thrilled with what they do for you, as many are. If you're in the Carolinas, Georgia, or in Tennessee, you can build that dream house for as low as $160 per square foot. And if you like doing business with Gamecocks, and that's probably who you're going to want to do it with, the Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com. Same thing with our, our buddy Matt Vaughn and Signorama. If you're anywhere in South Carolina, it doesn't matter what type of signage you need. doesn't matter. The ones that light up, the really fancy ones, you just need a banner made, you need a vehicle wrapped, anything that is a sign, they do it, period. Williams-Brice Stadium on the side of Williams-Brice Stadium, they do that. So make sure you head to signorama.com. JC, JB, and Phil at uh, 12 o'clock, joined by Sidarius Hutcherson in the Born to Crow Carolina Conversation Series as we pick that back up this week and looking forward to getting the former Gamecocks offensive lineman in here, whom... He is now over in Atlanta with Coach Sean Elliott in Georgia State. He's gotten into the coaching profession as a ton of guys from recent Gamecock football history has, and he's another one to probably keep an eye on in the future as far as where he will end up in a full-time role. But uh, Sidarius Hutcherson, we can't wait to get him in in just under an hour and talk to him about his life and his career, and we hope that you all will enjoy that we certainly have uh, plenty of Gamecock football to get to today. We'll get to some baseball in just a couple of minutes. The College World Series is, of course, still outstanding. It's probably going to be outstanding until it's completed. A big game coming up tonight at seven o'clock. And then, guys, did any of you happen to see the bizarre ruling in the White Sox game last night at home plate? What are we? 
doing in baseball? What are we doing in baseball? I'm sure you saw it, JC. That was so bad. I don't know how you can play the game of baseball if the catcher, who, by the way, is behind home plate when he receives the throw, cannot tag the runner out who had a direct line to the plate. It was uh, called out and then overturned when they replayed it. There was no obstruction, nothing. Nobody knows. And then Bruce Butcher got thrown out for coming in and tell those guys that they're wrong, and he was right. And I don't know what we're doing, but baseball umpiring just from the top down, just it ain't good. It is not good. It's almost like they, in the interest of perfecting it, they've they've confused a lot of people. Like umps are kind of more worried because the, you know, the technology's so good, you can you can kind of slow it down and. Yeah. And, and split hair, so to speak. Uh, and, and I think people need to realize that's part of the game. <laughs> yeah. Is it you're all you're always splitting hairs. I mean, you can have a big debate over a ball and a strike and out, safe play, whatever. Um, but now with technology, I mean, you can slow it down to the millisecond. And the human eye isn't fast enough to catch those things. And I think everybody knows that. And so I think there's a lot of like crazy second guessing and, uh, you know, instead of an ump just standing his ground and being like, yeah, I'm the ump and I made it and, and, and owning it. You know, there's a lot of maybe hesitation and, and calls and all that. So I, I, uh, I don't know. I think, um, terrible. Awful. I don't know. It's awful. I mean, this was coming from a game where back in the day you could just round third. And if the catcher was anywhere near home plate, just T-bone his rear end. And that was it. You either held on to the ball or you didn't. You know, you get up, you move on, you shake hands, you fight if you need to, you get it over with. That's it. And now you can't even slide head first in home plate without some type of interference call. I, I, ah, man. On a different note in Big League Baseball, anybody see who's going to make their studio debut at noon on Fox on Sunday before the London series? No, I missed no. that. Derek Jeter. Oh. Derek Jeter. Jeter. <laughs> Yeah, Derek Jeter will be in studio in Fox. That's his uh, on Fox. Excuse me, that is his uh, studio broadcast debut on Sunday, the uh, the twenty fifth at noon. So that'll be pretty. Cool. He wasn't a fan of the game. <laughs> Do what now? I always heard he wasn't a fan of the game. Derek Jeter. Yeah, yeah. He played it, but he didn't love it. You know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, kind of some guys, some some guys oh. are like that. Like yeah. I know some big leaguers that don't, they don't watch baseball. They're retired and they're they, don't, they never watch the game. Mm. Um, but um, he did own a team, right? A franchise. Yeah. So, I don't Norman's, know, but I'm I'm looking forward. It's interesting because didn't they beat them in the World Series too? So it was like he went and bought the team that beat him in the World Series one year. <laughs> Guys, I think y'all are misunderstanding what I'm saying. I didn't say that he should be allowed to truck the catcher. What I said was you <clears> used to be able to do that. Now you can't even slide into home play. If you didn't see the play last night, you can. there's no way you can disagree with anything I'm saying. Even the White Sox were like, yeah, that's ludicrous. We're out. Um, I'm not saying you should be able to run over somebody like that. I am saying there's no reason to call interference on a catcher who is not interfering with a base runner. That's what I'm saying. We've gone way too far. This is this is this is ridiculous. What's going on in baseball? It's a joke. Um, they got to fix it. They've got to fix it. So 
that that call cannot be made. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We're we're getting the in Major League Baseball. They're they're making the reviews from New York City from all these monitors, and you know you don't know who's doing what up there. I mean, it's it's just golly, it's terrible. So Bruce Bochy got thrown out of the game, and he didn't even really even he didn't even let loose yet. All he did was walk out and say they were wrong. And then he was tossed. Joke. Jeez. That, that's where we are. Same thing with King. You know, I talked to King about that earlier this year. I said, you can't even walk onto the field and argue a call without getting thrown out of the game. What are we doing? I mean, what are we doing here? I don't know. They're too sensitive. Too sensitive. Yeah, everything. It's a, it's a, this, this world that we're living in is entirely too sensitive. Uh, speaking of baseball pertaining to South Carolina – um, I think John Whittle did say something about this earlier, um, but it looks like the ship has more than likely sailed on Colby Shelton, the shortstop transferring from Alabama. Uh, so he more than likely is not going to end up in a Gamecock uniform uh, this, this coming season. However, they are still in it with Billy Amick from Clemson, and they're, and they're, and they're very much in the thick of it with Kennedy Jones uh, from UNC Greensboro. Let me caution all of you real quick. Listen closely. If you think that just because Kennedy Jones is coming from UNC Greensboro that he won't, won't have as big of an impact as either one of those other two guys, I got oceanfront property in Arizona to sell you. You couldn't be any more wrong. Kennedy Jones might be the best overall player in the portal. Everybody is trying to sign Kennedy Jones. Everybody is trying to sign Kennedy Jones. Repeat that. Everybody. They would be beyond blessed to sign this kid and put him in the outfield alongside Ethan Petrie. And of the three that are available, if you ask me to rank the one that would have the biggest impact, it's Kennedy Jones because of what he brings offensively and what he brings defensively. Now, the best hitter in there, it might be Billy Amick. Uh, you could maybe make an argument for Shelton. I, I don't know. I don't think that personally. But Kenny, Kennedy Jones is the best overall player of the three. I'll tell you that, period, the end. So if they end up signing this kid and they miss on the Shelton kid or they sign one of the three, that's a, it's a great sign. Obviously, you get two of these three and, and you're really, you're really dealing. But, uh, the, the best overall player of those three, overall, like the game of baseball, you got to play defense, you got to play offense, it's Kennedy Jones. So we'll see what happens. Shelton surprises me a bit. Me too. I'm I sure, mean, I'm, honestly, I'm you, sure you and I have had conversations about it. That's very surprising to me, but uh, I don't know. I think it's an NIL thing, JC, personally. Just well, he had a pretty there. strong NIL deal from South Carolina. So, I mean, yep. I, and, and now look, yep. uh, it may not be uh, – uh, yeah, about about my mic, the, the, the guys are out cutting the grass They're right cutting now. the That's grass. What you're That's what you're hearing <laughs> through my mic. So, I it's, apologize. It's, nothing it's I can summer do. in the Windy City. I dang, summer in the city. <laughs> People cutting the grass. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, and I'll check my mic settings when we go to break because this, uh, sometimes it switches to my headphones. It, it's a crazy thing, but yeah, Shelton surprises me. I, I mean, I, like I said, I, I'm not, 
I'm not like in the mix with all this, but I do get phone calls and stuff, you know, just because of yep. the, the NIL situation. And yep. that two weeks ago, JB, I would have said the most likely was Shelton and the least likely was Kennedy Jones. I agree with you. Um, yep. 100%. I think that, uh, you know, the staff has done a good job of flipping that around because I'm kind of with you from, from based on what I hear is Kennedy's probably – he probably feels a big need. He feels a big need, and he's also probably the best overall player. Uh, Amick would just, or Amick, I think you say Amick, Amick, right? Yeah. Uh, for yeah. everyone out there in Gamecock land, I think that'd be pretty freaking sweet <laughs> for a number yeah. of reasons. Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, but uh, Whittle did say yesterday, he did report that of all the three guys, he felt the most confident about. Uh, Kennedy Jones, and if you let's say they just add Jones, right? As far as hitters and position players go, uh, Gavin Costas is likely coming back, right? So that's still a lot of power in your lineup. That's still a, a formidable lineup, uh, and then you go get Nemin as the big lefty pitcher, who could be special, as we all know from Central Connecticut State. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's still a pretty – that's still a good squad. I mean, it's not – you know, it's not like a super team like everybody was talking, but it's still a good squad. The Colby Shelton thing does surprise me, though, because, you know, his family lives in South Carolina now. Yep. Um, he didn't appear to be a guy – I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of privy to what he made in Iowa's at Alabama. Um, spent more than that on sushi with the boys the other night. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't much. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I – and he's best friends with Petri. So I are really good friends with Petri. So I, I, I'm a little surprised by the way that kind of went down, but uh, money talks. And uh, I, I do know that the Florida Gators collectives and all sports have millions. I mean, it's not, it, it's not, they don't, they're not struggling in that department down there. They, they kind of got it together regardless of that idiotic quarterback situation they have where they, Promised him thirteen million. Nobody's getting thirteen million, you know, down there. But you know, if you got a couple of hundred grand, you know, and you've got that much total in your collectives, you can afford to do it for a power hitter like that. So, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, Blaine Gilmer and his terrible Beamer takes. I, Sandra, I don't even know who he is. I don't know. I, I don't. I saw. Yeah, I, don't, I saw who what is Chris that? did. I saw what Chris. Put. I mean, he's a this guy. This guy's a big Georgia dude. Um. I don't, you know, I, I, I obviously didn't agree, uh, didn't agree with his take, but, um, you know, to me, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to give him any oxygen or not, you know, I mean, and, 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 you know, he's right to a certain extent that Carolina has been inconsistent during the first two years of the Beamer era, but the shot he took at Mario Anderson was unbelievably ridiculous. You know, if if I've done 208 pounds, Dude, there's a lot of good running backs that are like five nine two fifteen. Five, how big's the kid that was an old miss last year? Quinsha Junkins. Quinsha Junkins. I think he's like five nine two fifteen. I mean yeah. might be the best running up. back in the league, you know, by the way. Don't don't talk don't talk out of your butt about evaluation if you don't know what the hell you're talking about. That that's that that would be my only message to Blaine Gilmer. Blaine. Yeah. Hey Blaine. Well, I mean, I don't want to get personal with him, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't know who he is, and I don't, I don't know what he said. Uh, uh, he just, he, he took a shot at me. Look, I mean, his overall point was valid. He picked Carolina to finish like sixth in the division, uh, and then picked Florida last. Some Florida fans, 
people were because people were like, "You're not giving Carolina any respect." And a Florida fan chimed in and goes, "Uh, you guys are really the most mad at this guy." <laughs> Talk about no respect. He picked Florida <laughs> last in the division behind Vandy. So, um, uh, anyway, but no, I wasn't getting personal. I just, you know, he just doesn't sound very professional, and and I, I don't, I don't think he is. I just think he's getting oxygen. Uh, Churchill, Will Tibbet would be fine at shortstop. I think Tibbet got a lot better this year. He hit the ball well down the stretch. He's going to get better at the plate, and he's a really good defender. So, uh, but I don't know. You know, I don't know for sure. I think defensively, he's probably. I don't. Would you would you say he's better than Colby Shelton? Uh, defensively, Tibbet, Tibbet. right now, yeah. I mean, obviously, Shelton is much better offensively. It's not even really yeah, close, but no yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, I think that, yeah, defensively, it, yeah, he's probably better. I mean, he's, he's, he's the shortstop today. Um, I mean, as long as Wimmer, believe it or not, Braylon actually has another year. He I does think that's going to happen, but, um, but if Braylon did return, then that's your shortstop. But today it's Tippett. And, um, you know, if, if, uh, you know, Amick wants to play, one of the reasons that he's leaving Clemson is he, he wants to, he wants to play baseball. He didn't just want to be a DH. So, uh, you know, what I was told was, you know, he, he's going to go somewhere that, and that includes South Carolina for even all the legacy stuff that Clemson, that they're going to give him a chance to, you know, play the game. And, you know, I think he wants to play third. So if they do that, you know, you, you do have options because you can move Lee Croy. Um, I don't think Coach Kingston or Monty is going to get into the game of promising anything. You can't do that, so they won't. But, but yeah, I mean, Amick's going to have a chance to play third base if he comes to South Carolina, and that will be up to him from there. He'll either win the job or he'll lose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there too. I think, uh, yeah. no, Clint, I, well, Clint, I, I disagree with you on that, man. I, I love you, but Tippett more than has the range to play short. He, he can play short. Um, he's a good shortstop. He'll be fine there. So, yeah, I'll, I'll let Jamie answer the question about range because <laughs> I think I know what it is. You know, <laughs> well, Jamie, I mean, what's the range? I can I, let uh, me answer the questions about suddenness and fault steps and. All that good stuff on the gridiron, and we'll, we'll we'll live a happy life around here. But uh, yeah, I'll, well, I'll, hey, I'll, look. All right, so there, it's what's funny is like how it gets misconstrued. Like people will tell you all the time that Bobby Haney had range, and he did not. No, he didn't. Now he was he was smooth as a baby's bottom when he got to it, you know. But he didn't have range. Reese didn't have range. Drew had range. Uh, Justin Harris had range. Believe it or not, it's just all about getting a good. You know, a good read on it, and then you know, there's more. I mean, look at Braylon. I mean, he's six five. I mean, so obviously he's going to get the balls. But um, Tippett, Tippett's got it. I mean, Tippett can play short, and he's good. They, that's why you know they're comfortable with him over there. Um, so it is like linebacker fault steps. You can't take fault steps. They're yeah, short. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah here comes the ball at the bat. Here comes the ball yeah. carry. If you go left and it's going right, that's you're probably not that. Good. <laughs> you're probably yeah. not going to be that good at shortstop, right, guys? You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably don't be that good at linebacker if the ball's going left. And yeah, here we go. Hey, I'm learning. I'm learning my. Next thing you know, I'll be going to Whit with Whittle of these summer baseball sweat your butt off uh, eight game marathon tournaments that he goes to that he's at right now, and <laughs> yeah, in, in, in luxurious Palm Beach, Florida, by the way. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh no, nah, he he would be I mean, I think that they, they ideally would like to have somebody over there who, who swings it a little bit better and who's a plus defender, of course. But you know, if yeah. they have to go into the season with Will Tippett at short, they're gonna they're gonna be comfortable with that. I mean and I don't really know what else there is to say. But look, when three coaches on the staff tell me the same thing, it's kinda hard. I mean, I, I'm not gonna sit here and be a keyboard warrior and a and a they know. They know what a SEC shortstop looks like. Um, and he yeah. he can he can be that, but uh, but he's got to he's got to he's got to hit better. And I know Whittle's reported many times that they feel like he can. I know he swung it well last fall. He was a guy whose name kept coming up when I kept checking in, and then this spring it took him a while. Based on what I've seen, I don't. He's not a lost cause at the plate. People have to remember too. A lot of guys struggle as freshmen, and you know from from what you know just looking at it. Uh, from the outside in, uh, you know, he didn't really get a lot of playing time until the SEC season. Like he didn't get at bats against Bethune Cookman. And I mean, a lot of them, you know, he didn't, he didn't get to get in there and and get geared up. I mean, he kind of just got thrown in after, after Wimmer and whoever else went down. So I, uh, I like the kid. I I mean, you know, he impressed me when we were sitting there that day watching that Auburn game, he hit a home run, they hit another one, they hit another one. Um, I think he can get a hold of it, you know, and uh, and he'll get better uh, next year and, and hit hit better. Um, you know, uh, Craig makes a good point here about the Mario Anderson Jr. and and I don't, I cannot stand when people uh, against all proof, right? Against all proof, there's so many guys that have come from FCS and Group of Five, and NES even D two, although there's a smaller number. Uh, to bigger programs in football since the portal happened and baseball and basketball that have made a huge impact. And there's more of those than that have made it that haven't. Okay. So I hate it. it was like D2 running back. I mean, that, that is a cheap shot. That is an ignorant statement. That's dumb. That's judging a book by its cover. And that's what this guy did. Um, but the other also makes a good point here. The kid Ray Davis, who was at Vandy, who tore it up, who unfortunately transfers to Kentucky, or he'll probably have a little bit better supporting cast, and that's got to be a knife in the side of Clark Lee, like we were talking about yesterday. Uh, he's five nine two oh five. There's plenty of guys built like Mario Anderson that are really good running backs. Those five nine guys that are stout are hard to tackle. Yeah, because if you're a six four linebacker, they're coming and sticking their damn helmet in your gut, unless you can get super duper low. You know, my, I'll remind everybody. Marshawn Lloyd was only five nine two twenty. So, God, if I mean, he was five nine, if he was five nine, so and uh, we've Jamie and I have had the opportunity to see Mario Anderson, and he's built kind of like that. You know, Mar- Marshawn was a little bit thicker build, but Mario's built like compact, strong, uh, and like I said, I went back and watched him in um in the spring game the other day. I reviewed the spring game. And uh, I was like, yeah, you know, he he did better than maybe I thought he did. He had a lot of plays where he just didn't have any blocking, but he ran hard. He moves his feet. They loved him coming out of Newberry. I mean, he was like a uh, a guy that they were aware of, the football staff was aware of before he ever got in the portal. You know, they loved him. So, you know, we'll see what happens. It's his dream to play at Carolina. So there you go. And Quantrell says, look at Jared versus FSU. Went from Albany. <sighs> Didn't even know they had all football at SUNY Albany uh, to FSU, and he's going to be a top 10 pick. So, you know, Howard asked about D-line recruiting. It's looking good. Dylan Stewart's coming in this weekend. Uh, Liam Johnson – or, sorry, 
Liam Andrews. Yeah. Liam Andrews. Good report uh, on that. Things may end up Tony Morrell had some info today. Things may end up turning the Gamecocks way on that. Um, you know, not to put a whole lot into social media, but he, uh, Dante Reno put a post up the other day and he was like, future teammate Liam Andrews put that on his Instagram. So, you know, that has to be kind of a positive sign unless the kid's just a, a jokester like Dontavious Braswell. But, um, I, uh, I, uh, you know, I am. Um, I think that would be a steal to me. Uh, and look, I don't agree with our people at uh, at twenty four seven sports. In fact, I kind of question if they even know. You know, I, I, wait a minute. Let me back up. I don't want to sound rude. I don't necessarily agree with them on O line or D line evaluations. Uh, they love the six one two hundred twenty pound D lineman that don't have a prayer. Uh, they they they're telling everybody in the world it's a bad quarterback year and a bad offensive line year. You know, where Bruce Feldman goes out to the elite 11 and said, I didn't think that, you know, Bruce has what got, he, Bruce has been to the elite 11 every year uh, for 147 years. He's timeless. Just kidding. But Bruce is always there. He, if there's one recruiting thing he owns, that's that he disagreed there. You know, I'm not trying to get on our guys or anybody else that evaluates. I'm just saying, I see a lot that I don't agree with with them, and I've seen a lot through the years, and I'm usually right. And I, I think Liam Andrews is an absolute defensive lineman and a good one. I don't think he's a uh, he's an O lineman right now. Now I may be wrong. There's always that chance, <laughs> but I, I just looking at him, I'm like, dude, this guy's got long arms. He's moves. He's tough. He can close. He's got good instincts. He's got really good technique. Um. Kind of, you know, he reminds me of some of the guys that that have played here before. I, mean, I think I think he's got a lot of upside. Plus, top 100, 150 kind of guy. You know, you yeah. take him. Uh, another mm-hmm. kid from the Northeast, you take him. Uh, especially <laughs> since you missed out on Jordan Thomas. So, I don't know. I think that's one to get excited about. It's it's you know, you know, like Gomer Powell. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah. It was a surprise that he came in, and so it's a surprise if they get it. But I think. Uh, I think we'll do it there. Uh, Craig yeah. got his average jambalaya sticker. <laughs> Good, that a boy. Yeah. Make sure you put him on your uh, your golf cooler, Craig. When you golf cooler, baby. That's it. Uh, average it jambalaya. Tee it up this weekend. All right, we got to hit a timeout. It's eleven thirty. We're teed up. Speaking of golf, by travelingcountryclub.com, the coolest club in the Carolinas. Forty-five courses to play from the mountains to the seas, and if you want to play in a really, 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 really and I can't say that a hundred more times. Awesome event. The plunder on Polly's is one month away. If you want to play in like a good golf tournament, you want to play in this one on Polly's Island. Head to travelingcountryclub.com and sign up right now. Don't put it off. Travelingcountryclub.com. We'll be right back. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? 
Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, All of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock-owned. Gamecock-operated. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Jakar Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. First hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Cobalt Banker Kane Realty team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call at 864-414-5271 for all your upstate residential real estate needs. Uh, last night, or yesterday, I should say, if you missed it, LSU knocked Tennessee out of the College World Series. TCU knocked Oral Roberts out. A nice run for Oral Roberts finishing the year at 52 and 14. And uh former Vanderbilt and South Carolina star Matt Hogan had quite the year himself with I think 19 home runs. So pretty sensational, but today is the day. Uh Florida and TCU and Wake Forest and LSU tonight. Florida and Wake if they win, that's your national championship series starting this weekend. So um, this should be a pretty special day of college baseball. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, it's been a great series so far, man. That, that was my pick. I, I said it last week. I, I thought Florida and Wake would be in the national championship series, and um, wouldn't you know it? If that happens, they are numbers one and two. It should first. be a heck of a series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clint, those rain check packages are coming out, man. My brother's got them. It's out of my control. I need to check in with him. He's just gotten busy. I mean, he mailed a few out the other day. I'll put yours toward the top of the list, but guys, they're coming. I promise. I promise you'll like them when you get them because Jamie's seen the stuff we got. It's good signed stuff. It's just like it's like you were there, but uh, 
uh, appreciate the patience on that. Um, also, if you wear a small or a medium sized t-shirt or a medium or medium, mm-hmm. uh, maybe your wife wants a small Carolina rise t-shirt. I'm trying to get rid of what I've got. I will send it to you for free inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com while supplies last along with uh, an average jambalaya sticker and some other stickers for your cooler. So if you want uh, a free uh, Carolina rise t-shirt, only smalls and mediums left. Uh, I overordered those. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not ordering any more mediums this time. We got a bunch of big people in South Carolina, <laughs> but uh, just let me know, and I'll, I'll shoot those out to you uh, today or tomorrow. So let me know about that. Y'all realize that there are only nine Saturdays left until the kickoff of college football, right? I know. I was thinking about that earlier today. Are y'all? Are y'all first? Are y'all like they call it week zero, which is pathetic because it's not. Are you are you week zero guys? Like I'm gonna start? have to be this year. Mm-hmm. Is the Fighting well, Irish or the Fighting the Irish, Irish in, over in uh, Dublin? And Navy. Yeah, they're playing the Navy, the United States Navy. It'll be a tough day Navy. for Notre Dame when Navy goes over there and runs for 330 yards and beats them. Maybe. Navy's got problems. I was reading an article in the Athletic about Navy football. They fired their coach, and apparently their athletic director is like a tyrant. Because he fired him in the locker room, and that guy's won a ton of games. And uh, but they're still option oriented, and they, they, they just—it's crazy because they fired their old guy and promoted from within. Mm-hmm. Which, considering, considering <laughs> the uh, the the AD to handled the firing in the way he did, it it, it, it kind of screams like a. You know, not to, I don't like comparing people to Hitler, but it's square, it, 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 it kind of screams like a fascist AD at the Naval Academy. <laughs> like, like it's about him. Um, so, uh, that's good. So, yeah, and you got it, Jan. I just got your text. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know what's going to become of Navy football. Um, all I know is my buddy at the bar that owns the bar, I go watch the Army Navy game every year up there. Uh, he was on the 84 Carolina uh, Navy team that beat Carolina. <laughs> uh, those of those of you that are older will remember that game as one that will live in infamy. Um, mm-hmm. It's in the Patrick Davis song, Big Old Cop. Yeah. Always appreciate so, uh, when people bring that game up, too. It's, oh, you know, yeah. Oh, well, I, I catch more hell for it than anybody because mm-hmm. that dude was a starting defensive back on, the, on that team, you know. <laughs> Is the highlight of his football career. It's a he he saw me starting to wear the gears. Ah, South Carolina, huh? I'm like, uh, yeah. Well, I played it. I'm like, oh my god. It's it's like that time I ran into a Clemson fan in full gear at the Final Four in men's basketball. I'm like, you people just don't. I mean, man, it's it's just like it's nightmarish. So anyway, <laughs> Jamie said he's out on small and medium. Send some of those yeah. to Coach King. Remember, Coach King wears two sizes too small to make his muscles look better, bigger. Yeah, medium. Why don't you do that? Uh, Seventy-six. John, yeah. So John was I, at that Navy game. Yeah. I use a. So I have a. Yeah, I use a green screen, and um, and uh, most of the photos are. Some are well, obviously, some are mine, but. Uh, some come from Sinorama, some come from University, uh, some come from the Big Spur. So I love that picture of the horseshoe, man. That just makes me feel like it's a cool fall day and because you see the leaves are off the trees behind you. 
Yeah. And I'm like walking through campus about to go to a game. I'm I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, actually took, I actually took that one. That's a beautiful, beautiful shot. Well, thank you. I'll I, I um, send you one for 150 bucks, 150 a piece. <laughs> uh, Ken, it's inside the gamecocks at gmail.com for the shirts. Inside the gamecocks at gmail.com. Be sure to send your address and, and, and real name and all that. Because uh, <laughs> I, I can't, you know. Yeah. I can't read your mind. Can't read your mind. So, anyway. But yeah, yeah Jamie's backgrounds are really cool. I'm sitting here. I was looking at. I brought up that first Saturday, so I was looking outside of Notre Dame and Navy. Um, you got can't miss that night at seven o'clock. New Mexico State hosting UMass. Man, that's, that's a amazing. hell of a game, dude. The Aggie when the Aggie Keith Jackson should be calling that game. Oh. Well, I, I, Aggies, I will say this: I am. I I will be. I mean, they're going to beat the crap out of them, but I do want to watch Vanderbilt play that night against Hawaii. Yeah, I'm anxious yeah, to see Vanderbilt. Yeah. I think Vanderbilt's going to surprise some people. I'm not saying they're going. I don't know if they're going to a bowl or not. I, I actually think they they have a chance to to get to six wins. I'm one of the probably few. I'm a big believer in Clark Lee, so beating Hawaii would be a good start. But if you lose to Hawaii, I got news for them. They ain't going to a bowl game. <laughs> no, you kind of need this one. <laughs> I want I want to win that one. I'm actually surprised that. San Jose State and Southern Cal is on the Pac-12 network. Like, you got Lincoln Riley, and you know they, they decided not to put put them on ESPN or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. You got everybody's got to have a tune-up game. <laughs> yeah, but it's on, yeah, it's on yeah. the Pac-12. You know, it's just strange. Strange. <laughs> what do y'all think is going to happen sure. with San Diego State? By the way. We talked about this on JC and Morgan. I haven't dropped the podcast yet. It'll be up this afternoon. But uh, I don't know, man. I think that they're – I like the. I like them. I know the money's not there, you know, and everybody's chasing the money. I like the Mountain West Conference. I think there's very solid institutions there. You know, they, they haven't – now, they haven't necessarily built themselves up like the Sun Belt. And overcome, but they haven't gone to hell like Conference USA uh, either, and they don't constantly lose schools like like the American. Um, and I, I think it is what it is. You know, it's a lot of pretty good schools out there: University of Wyoming, University of New Mexico, UNLV, San Diego State, Boise. You know, that, that have a chance. Um, so I think they're breaking up with a five and a half to pursue a seven. The <laughs> The, and gam and gambling about it. The mountain side of that league is there's a lot of money on that side, and I and I didn't, as you know, I have in laws that live in Laramie, and I, and a few years ago I had a full blown tour of their, they had a forty million dollar um, they built a forty million dollar uh, operations building for the football team in in one of the end zones, and one of the coaches there. I knew his brother. I know his brother here. Oh, I know both of them now, but I didn't know him at the time. And he he invited me out, let me take the family on this whole tour. I mean, I was short in the story, but first of all, Wyoming's facilities for being like a group of five type program were just unbelievable, beautiful. But what I learned as I was walking around that day, Coach Bowl was out there and, and a lot of their coaches, and I was just kind of asking them about the league and then we we drove down and saw Colorado State and stuff too and they were 
explaining to me how much money has been put into a lot of these programs. I think everybody's aware that Boise has a pr- proud program. But Utah State, um, Air Force, Colorado State, I just mentioned Wyoming. Like that's, that side of that league, J.C., they pump a ton of money in, and they really do have outstanding facilities. So it would it wouldn't sh- but but it shouldn't be as a, as much of a shock when you look at the other side of it the west side you have, you got all the California schools you know Fresno San Diego State San Jose State um, I mean you do have Hawaii and stuff like that the the fan base is it's just it's like a miniature SEC on the mountainside and then the rest of the side is like the ACC just kind of there they've got a team or two that people really care about but. Outside of that, it's kind of, oh, there's a game? Yeah, we'll, we'll go watch them. Um, and then you've got these little pockets of just crazy, crazy fans like Colorado State and, and Boise State. My, my, my neighbors, by the way, just moved here from Boise. Huge Boise fans. And they were describing it to me. I mean, it's a, it's a neat ordeal. So if San Diego State leaves, I, I'm just – I wonder I, – I just wonder about the – I wonder how – if there's any other program out there, you probably know this better than I would, that is even attractive to a major. Well, they're they're not. But I mean, look, boys, man, here's here's the thing: you, you, you gotta if you're the Pac-12 and you lose, let's say you lose Southern Cal and you and UCLA, they're gone. But then you lose Oregon and Washington, which they're talking about. You know, you still have Cal. Uh, I mean, or, or, let, let's not even go Oregon, Washington. Let's go, uh, Ari- let's go to the corner schools. Let's say Utah, Colorado, Arizona State, Arizona yeah, are out. Yeah. Or even those two. Let, get, landing some of those Mountain West schools and letting them kind of grow with you, kind of like Utah did when they joined the league, mm-hmm. is not a bad idea. I all. agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, because everybody knows Boise State. Everybody knows how their tradition. Um, you know, UNLV has always sucked at football. But, you know, what's holding them back kind of in basketball has been money. But yeah. they're in a large media market where your conference is going to be headquartered. That You know, Vegas in the next 10 years is going to host everything from a Super Bowl to a Final Four to a college football championship game uh, and then some. Um, it's in an emerging market. You mentioned, you know, these flagship schools in these smaller states, New Mexico, Wyoming, uh, you know, Colorado State, you know, is that kind of thing. So, uh, man, I just uh, I just don't uh, I don't I don't I think at some point you got to sit there and kind of look and see what the Big 12 did. And and they were okay taking Houston and Cincinnati and And BYU. And BYU, you know. So, like, if you if you're BYU, you almost wonder, like, is there an out of this thing to where we can go to the Pac-12? The- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, BYU's got a fan base like Notre Dame. It's just they're Mormons and not Catholics. Right. Uh, you know they they could go they could go independent. They were independent and fine. So, I mean, I, I just don't know that you you just relegate. You know, Oregon State and Stanford and Washington State. Because keep in mind, man, you can people can say what the hell they want. The Pac-12 as a whole, as a conference, every school in that league at some point has been nationally successful. Yeah. Okay. Even Oregon, Oregon State's kind of on the rise. They beat the tar out of Florida last year in Vegas. 
Uh, well, they won, 10, they won Dennis, 10 games last year. Yeah, I remember Dennis Erickson won 11 and 1 there and spanked Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl with the old Mighty Beeves. Uh, you know, Washington State uh, is in the movie Volunteers with John Candy and Dan Accord, which, by the way, is outstanding. Uh, they sing the fight song. But, you know, it's home to Ryan Leaf, Drew Bledsoe, mm-hmm. the Pirate, Mike Price. Uh, you know, they've, they've been to how many Rose Bowls? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Stanford has been outstanding. Uh, Cal has had its moments. Arizona, Arizona State have had their moments. Arizona State's considered, still considered a sleeping giant. You know, Colorado won a national championship. Uh, Utah's good. I mean, so, and I think with regards to TV deals, there is value there in the Western time zone. I think that it it would suck if, you know, we're sitting there on a game and and on a game day weekend and we don't have – a Pac-12 game to turn on or, or something, you know, uh, or, or a, something that matters with regards to the playoff because, you know, the, w- what if UCLA and SC both are, are in Iowa and Purdue or whatever that week? So I I think they need to kind of get off their high. And this is, what, this is what hurts conferences. I think this is what hurt the ACC. These presidents are on a high horse. They're very, very elitist. It's kind of hilarious, guys, because colleges in this country – are the one institutions that are always preaching inclusiveness, diversity. Those are their buzzwords. They may as well like write it on the wall. Right. But the people that run it are the least inclusive and the most elitist snobbish people on the planet. Yeah. That's true. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? Oh, we're, we're inclusive and all this other, you know, that's what they preach all constantly, but Oh my God, we can't let Wyoming in. Those kids don't, (laughs) They only have 1,100 on their SATs. My God, the University of Wyoming, what have well, they ever, you know? But part of the problem out there, too, is like the overall health of, of these athletics departments. you got to remember when you're going to add programs, if that's what you choose to do from a conference like the Mountain West, there, some of them aren't bringing baseball. Like some of them, I mean, they're all going to bring basketball. They're all going to bring football. I understand that. But there's a lot of these schools, too. When you start to shuffle through it, you got things like Title IX that come into play here, right? So you have to start making sure that the X's and the O's and the dotting the I's and crossing the T's, that everything kind of crosses here from a financial standpoint, or you have to start adding programs to make sure that you're meeting mm-hmm. thresholds legally. And, um, and, and, and so, like, when you start doing that and you're trying to – the Pac-12, for instance, like Wyoming didn't have a baseball program. I don't think – I know San Diego State does, but I don't think I don't think Boise has it. You can't play baseball there. I mean, when are you gonna play in Wyoming? There's snow on the ground until June, so I mean, you can't, right? So like, build, build there's a just a, there's a lot of, of the stuff that, yeah that just doesn't. It, it, it's not it's not it's apples and oranges. It's not apples to apples when they're looking at adding programs necessarily. Now BYU has a baseball program. I don't know how they pull it off, but they do. So so does I Utah. Mean, it's yeah. So does Utah. Uh, so so it's you know it's interesting. I mean may, maybe one of the reasons Wyoming doesn't is because they don't have the funds to you know take care of the damn thing all year because there's always snow and they don't want to build an all turf field or something like that. But yeah, it, it is interesting. I'm with, I, and I and I agree with you on that. I, I you know I mean you think about a even a school like Air Force, like what Air Force fit in fit into the back twelve. I mean it's a military school, but it's a successful athletics department overall. You know, would they be able to grow with the conference? I you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to take a take a chance on if you, you've got conferences taking chances on UCF and uh, Houston and Cincinnati and 
and all those places that, you know, and you're going to take San Diego. San Diego State makes all the sense in the world just because it's, you know, San Diego is not that, I mean, LA is so huge. I mean, it, it's an hour and a half from certain spots. So I, uh, they probably aren't taking yeah, Utah State. I can't. I would take Utah, Utah I'd take Utah State, State, Colorado State. I would take Boise. I would take UNLV. I would take Wyoming and New Mexico because they're flagship schools. Hell, I'd even take Hawaii. I mean, <laughs> Hawaii's played football for a lot of years. They're interesting. They could go to the Sugar Bowl in 2007. Dude, that um, place is. That place is. Their fans are very passionate. You, you can't afford Aloha. it. Like people can't even afford to play there. That's part of the problem with Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. You can't afford to fly there. You can't get there. You know, it's I like I I yeah. It's a, we got to hit a timeout though because we're due for one. We got uh, ten minutes away from Sidarius Hutcherson in the Born to Crow series. Hang tight inside the Gamecocks. The show powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. We'll be right back. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a karaoke partner, I can tell you, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But what I do have is a very specific set of skills. Hang up now, and your IT nightmares will continue. But stay on the line, and I will find you. And when I find you, I will fix it. Um, thanks. Uh, I think I have the wrong number. I'm trying to call Matt at Heritage Digital. He has a one price, low cost turnkey solution for all my IT needs. And I'm sick and tired of my IT guy. So yeah, 843-699-1001. This is 1002. Oh, well, thanks anyway. Don't be taken by some IT dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. <laughs> Hey, Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox. You heard Evan Stone, Gamecock fans, 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. Welcome back, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks of the show. Final segment of the first hour. I got you a little message there. JV, but oh, Jason, <laughs> yeah, 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 I figured, but I figured at the top of the hour. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's right before. Yeah, okay. Um, 
Uh, Wayne's got a question, JC, and obviously we know the story here. South Carolina moved on from Mike Williams, but he was not flipped by Florida. Anything more you want to – do you want to expand on that anymore or you just want to leave it yeah, there? Yeah, I'll say South Carolina dropped him. Yeah. And he committed to Florida. I, look, if you're Florida, um, no offense to them, they're not recruiting like South Carolina is on the offensive line right now. They need big guys. You watch. They're going to – because of the Saban background with Billy – they're going to go size and they're going to you know, look at that big dude that they took that transferred in from Loft, uh, Louisiana with him last year that got drafted Orlando or whatever his name is. They want big dudes. They don't, they, they, I think they figured they could develop them, but uh, you know, Mike was, uh, you know, just not somebody that kind of met. I mean, there, it was a conditional commitment. Uh, Notice that and heard him with Braylon Lee and hadn't heard him with Dylan Stewart or anybody else, but uh I mean, good for him uh, landing at Florida. You know, I hope he he works hard, right. does what it takes to develop. I mean, but he it was absolutely not a flip. Uh, a flip happens when a guy decides he wants to go someplace else, decommits from you, and then flips. He, it, and I'll, I'll even give you a flip if it's, it's if there's a couple of days delayed on it. Whereas I used to not. I used to say not flip has to be flips have to be instantaneous. No, they don't. But this was not a flip. This was a uh, no more opportunity at South Carolina. Well, where the heck am I going to go? Oh, well, Florida. You know, they'll take my commitment. So, uh, and look, when these situations, when universities and, and college football programs make decisions like this, you, you never know who's going to be right or wrong. Um, Will Muschamp didn't take Trey Dean. He went to Florida. Torrey and Gray coached him up, and he's in the NFL now. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's guys that, you know, other schools have passed on that have come to South Carolina that are elite, you know, so it's not, it's not that it's not that the guy can't play, but you know, let's not sit there and say that they flipped him. Now did they flip the Lake city linebacker last year that ended up going to them, the four-star kid. Absolutely. The Gators did. And they should have, because they shouldn't be missing on four-star linebackers that are in Lake city. Florida shouldn't. It'd be like South Carolina missing on a four-star guy from Lake city, South Carolina. So right. there you go. But no, it's, um, it's, uh, it's just one of those things. So no, they didn't. And then they called Beaver the most annoying person in college football. Great. You know, who else they used to call the most annoying person in college football. Steve Spurrier. And Dabo Sweeney. Hey, by the way, this morning we, we had a kids last night decided that they wanted to turn into aliens. And then this morning they extended that alien version of themselves and so once they finally got to school and or whatever planet they're on, uh, I came back and had some extra time to myself. So I went on to our YouTube page, and if you click on playlist, you, there's a there's an old Steve Spurrier playlist. And I went down and just watched about thirty minutes worth of Steve Spurrier three and four minute <laughs> post practice interviews and a couple others. If you really want to turn your day around, your week around, your life around. Go watch, go to the Big Spur YouTube page and watch the old oh, Coach shoot. Spurrier interviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that there, there's just there's never going to be anybody again that does it like Steve. When you know you ask him a question and he asks you one back, well, I don't know what you think, Scott. I don't know what you, you Scott Hood, me. man, that's my boy. But oh, you sound Scott, Scott Hood kind of. Scott Hood kind of sounds like it, it, the, every interaction they had reminded me of like Luca Brazzi from The Godfather and Marlon Brando. <laughs> Coach Spurrier, 
I have come here to your house on the day of your daughter's wedding. And I would like to know. <laughs> and he would ask questions to me like, hey, Scott, yeah. you know, hey, Scott, you know, who knows? Uh, I like jello pudding too. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, like, how, how, how does Shane Beamer get up there every week and talk for 25 minutes? Spurrier was done in three. He told you and he was done. He started slowly walking away and touching his visor. All right. Well, all right. We got it. Boys. All right, man. All right, boys. Nope. See you Friday. Right. But I'll tell, well, no, the- tell you what, Josh. I'll tell you what, Josh. You look into that now. You look into that. What I told you there. 41, 42, 6, and 7. You look into that now, Josh. I know you best, boys want to report yeah. on that. Because, yeah, he was – he, he loved, Spurrier loved to get his message out. The one that was god-awful was Will Muschamp. Especially if things had not like necessarily gone right that day, and, and and in fairness, Will didn't talk to the media after every practice like Spurrier did. He he had his weekly thing, but if something was bothering him, he'd just come in there and have his head down and be like, "All right, blah 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 blah. We got Vanderbilt this week, and the, the boundary, and then the the, the the safety, and then they're a little polite on the edge, but we're like this, that, and the other, and blah 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 blah." blah, blah. And he goes through all, all this football. And I, I love Will Muschamp's football talk because I kind of like like that. I could I could see where fans are like, what's he saying? And then he'd be like, well, that'll take any questions. And then he started asking questions. Hey, any update on this injured guy? Nah. He's got a foot. Oh, okay, dope. Got a foot. I he's mean, it, it was the. It By the was, way, that was Ron Morris. Talking about Ron, who was. Oh my God, Ron! Well, yeah, they, Ron they, Morris. He moved. He moved the media room. Is what he did. <laughs> he didn't throw Ron out. He moved the media room and left Ron where he was. <laughs> yeah, it's it's within my rights to not talk to anybody. Well, frankly, Ron Morris deserved it, and I, and I'll say this about Ron Morris. As I've, I don't know him. I don't really didn't really care to know him. But he is a he. From, I know people that do. He's an outstanding person, right? But he's just one of those quote unquote journalists that wasn't very good at writing and wasn't very good at reporting at all. Yeah. And trusted people that lied to him too much, and thus lied himself, and was always trying to stir. You pot. boys come down here, Ron. You stay right here. I don't blame Steve Spurrier for you think not. Think about what you did today, Ron. Yeah, for not wanting to talk to. Him. And, and I, yeah, I know who, man. You stay right there. I know who uh, I've heard through the grapevine. I'm not saying it's a fact, but I heard who Morris's source was on that. He recruited Ellington off the basketball team. Y'all be kind of surprised. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. Somebody all yeah. y'all love. I won't, I won't go any further. Yeah, well, or not love, that, but, but revere and thank him in godlike terms we'll, while we'll, currently we'll trashing the current guy. We'll, we'll leave, we'll leave that there. Um, all right. We got to go Quantrell. They do the, uh, they do the call in show at, uh, Backstreet Screw, by the way. Backstreet Screw. Um, we are out of here. I actually will be off for the final hour. I've got to do some stuff with my dogs. Uh, so JC and Phil will get Sidarius Hutcherson into the Born to Crow series up next and take you home from there. Uh, want to send our condolences to, the family of former Dorchester County Gamecock Club president Cecil Budden, who passed away yesterday, uh, his uh, his uh, was survived by his wife and family, but a huge Gamecock fan, huge, 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 huge Gamecock fan, former president up there of the Dorchester County Gamecock Club, and um, 
did a lot for the South Carolina Gamecocks Athletics Department and a lot for the town of Somerville. As to those who knew Cecil Budden, uh, thoughts and prayers with their family uh, after his uh, passing, which was relatively unexpected. So, all right. Y'all enjoy Sidarius Hutcherson up next inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios. We'll be right back. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everyone, this is Jack Mahoney from Gamecock Baseball, and inside the Gamecocks, the show is teed up every day by travelingcountryclub.com. So if you all love golf, make sure you guys go check out their awesome membership options and go Cox. Welcome to travelingcountryclub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to travelingcountryclub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. Welcome back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks, the show, second hour of the show. Oh, we got Hutch in here now. Let's see here. Run a little behind. Let me get everything set up for uh, gotcha. Hutch here, JC. Hit us a little video, and when we get back, we'll be off and running. Sweet. <laughs>
said the big old cock is the gift And one of us chickens got to ring First, first, first You ain't just a bird, bird, bird You're the top of the coop, star of the show Your rooster was born to crow You're the top of the coop, star of the show Your rooster who's born to crow Born to crow Yeah, you know You gotta crow Like Big George in 1980 Mike Hold, 84 Sterling Sharp Steve Tannehill Brandon Bennett Old Eric Kimry to Jamel Kelly Ryan Brewer Marcus Connor Alshon Stefan Jadavion G. Yeah, they were all born to crow. And so were you. All right, Michael Haney's Born to Crow. We are joined now by former Gamecock offensive lineman, Sidarius Hutcherson. Hutcherson. My man, right there. How you doing? How you doing? Good. Sidarius. How you doing, man? Uh, welcome in to Inside the Game Gamecocks Show, Born to Crow series. Appreciate you joining us. Um, yes, sir. I guess first things first, man. How uh, how's Atlanta so far? And uh, working for Sean down at Georgia State. Uh, what position do they have you working with? What, what have you been doing so far? Oh uh, man, Atlanta's great, man. Uh, some of my family's down here uh, and stuff. Well, can you, can y'all hear me? Oh yeah, yes, hear you great. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. All right, so yeah, I got family down here and stuff, so uh, everything is going well. Um, I'm not too far from home. Uh, I'm only like a few hours away from Nashville and stuff like that. So, um, so far, working with Coach Elliott has been great. Uh, he's, you know, he's taking care of me. You know, trying to uh, mold me to um, transition from being a player to a coach, and uh, that's kind of was like the hard part. Is kind of like accepting that type of uh, role. Uh, currently, they got me as the uh, graduate assistant uh, office line working under Coach John Hope, and I'm learning under him and uh, stuff. So I kind of know how this program rolls around because obviously Coach Elliott was my uh, office line coach my freshman year. So uh, everything has been so much, um, you know, better. It's, it's been it's been pretty decent for me as far as just molding to the program, uh, being around the guys like the football players and stuff. It's been awesome. Um, you know, they all you know, respect me from a culture standpoint. They listen very well. They're very disciplined and they've been really, really, it's been really, really an honor to coach to, uh, coach these guys. Uh, sometimes when coaches or players get to the end of their coaching career, they'd say they miss being part of a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you miss being part of a team? And what was it feel like being a part of a team um, again? Um, honestly, um, I try my best to, uh, feel like I'm still a part of the team. So I still work out like I still play. So sure. I do everything I can to make sure I'm still feeling like I'm playing still. Um, you know, sometimes I'll walk in the locker room and talk to some of the offensive linemen, just have a conversation with them to, you know, kind of, you know, feel like, you know, the, like the comfortability level as far as like the relationships and stuff, just make me feel comfortable again. And, and honestly, I would say the more that I learn about this, uh, whole transition thing, it's, it's really not too much different. The only thing you're doing is not putting the helmet on. 
And uh, I think that will slowly go away from me because I'm pretty sure when these Saturdays starts to, you know, tighten up where these guys will start playing, it's going to start, uh, you know, hitting me a little bit harder. Seeing these guys put the pads on, knowing that, knowing that I can still do it. But I think as far as me, uh, this is, this, this is one of my ways of giving back. Um, you know, using some of my knowledge along with Coach Holtz, especially uh, just kind of making these guys better as 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 a player, and most important of all, is as as a person. So I'm kind of I'm kind of like their big brother right now, as far as what they need and uh, what kind of tidbits they need to help them be better. Uh, so take us back to like how you got to kick. It's an interesting story. So I remember you were a DN, um, mm-hmm. Jackson area of Tennessee, sort of that yeah. uh, in between Jackson and Nashville a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I think you picked Carolina over Memphis. You're part of Will Muschamp's yeah. first recruiting class. Uh, and the next thing you know, uh, you, you hear in practice that Sedarius Hutcherson's up to 300 pounds and killed it. Uh, yeah. and, the way, and away you went. Um, tell me a little bit about kind of how that recruiting process went back then and you know, the, the, the relationship Coach Elliott built with you and, uh, yeah. you know, coming in the first year of the Muschamp era. So uh, I grew up watching college football, but I never really thought about playing it. So it was one day my uh, head coach at uh, my high school, Coach Eric Swenson, he was like, do you ever want to play college football one day? And I said, yeah, but I never thought about it. And then that my junior year, my in my junior year, he started taking me to camps. And then I started to realize, I said, okay, I got this. So my senior year, literally how all this started, I didn't have no type of exposure or anything. All I did was went to camps. I was in, um, I think I was in uh, like a history class, uh, Coach Duncan. That's, that was his, uh, that was his uh, name, Coach Duncan. He was teaching us a class in there. Next thing you know, a guy from Louisville walked in and, uh, <laughs> So I'm, everybody's looking like what's going on. He said, is this Darius Hutchinson here? And I raised my hand, I'm right here. <laughs> and then everybody in the classroom was like, ooh. And so everybody thought like, some people thought I was in trouble. And then some people thought, you know, it was football reasons. So I walked with them uh, outside of the classroom and they came and visited me at my school. And, you know, they ended up offering me. And uh, that was actually the, uh, I think he was a running backs coach at the time. I still have his number. And um, <laughs> next thing, next thing you know, Memphis rolled in, and then North Carolina State rolled in, and then I started getting phone calls from different schools. And to be quite uh, real, Ohio State was actually my dream team. That was actually mm-hmm. the team I actually grew up loving. I got everything Ohio State until the office I changed over to South Carolina, and um, they all uh, schools like that with that high type of caliber. They all said pretty much I was too small. So at that time, I was like two hundred twenty pounds, just mm-hmm. soaking wet. So I, I was I was already strong and stuff like that. I could play. I was just I just wasn't physically ready. So this when Coach Elliott came along. He watched my film and he saw a hidden gym in me. And um, I remember they came to visit my school because my school has an ag farm. And I was in the ag farm at the time. I knew they were coming. <laughs> I knew they were coming. It was, uh, I know it was must Champ. I know Coach Elliott came. Coach uh, B-Mac was there. Like, it was a few coaches was there. And they all called me at the ag farm because they was looking for me. 
So it was our school in front and the ad farmers way in the back where the practice field is at. So they couldn't find me. So they all had to take a little trip around the school to go to the ad farmer. And then that's when they found me. And uh, so it was really uh, Coach Elliott that kind of took a chance. And once I realized that offer, I didn't really waste any time. I just, I'm just going ahead and commit because you, I don't, I don't, you, you don't play with stuff like that. So I ended up uh, committing. And Coach Elliott, he was like, are you sure you haven't even came visited yet? I said, no, I'm sure. And he said, all I need to do is just – I just need y'all to guide me the right way, and I'll do everything y'all ask me to do. If I need to gain weight, so be it. I'll do it. And then I ended up keeping that promise literally that that uh, year of. And by the time we got to the Birmingham Bowl, my redshirt freshman year, um, we uh, I weighed in at 299. And I didn't realize my weight then because I don't think we weighed in any time soon. Uh, prior mm-hmm. to that so <laughs> I ended up weighing in I said 299 I said okay well I'm ready now so after that season I ended up gaining weight turning into more muscle that started uh, I started at 315 and then from 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 that point on I was a starter from from that point on until the end of my uh, senior season what was like playing with uh with Jake Bentley uh he's a guy that had I mean, you know, one of those, he, t- he took some criticism. Um, that 2017 year, though, you guys were, were nine and four. And then, you mm-hmm. know, the next year had some nice wins at Ole Miss and against Tennessee. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what was it like playing with Jake and uh, as a quarterback and um, and all that good stuff? I, I think that's that's one thing not a lot of people talk about these days is, is, yeah. is Jake and, uh, you know, sort of him being kind of the field general of those those first few teams. Yeah, uh, honestly, playing with Jake was awesome. Uh, he was one of those guys that can deal with a lot of adversity and still overcome a lot of situations. Um, I remember, um, I think it was at, uh, we played A&M. It was one of those teams, and obviously he was getting booed. And um, seeing his response and his reaction to everything that was going on, he still fighting because a lot of, a lot of times, man, in this generation now, you hear stuff like that, people people were shrinking fold. And, you know, he 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 stood on his ground and kept fighting. And it ended up giving us a chance to win the game. Uh, so playing with him was awesome. Um, you, you can really never tell he was dealing with a lot because he knew how to turn it on and turn it off. He was one of those guys where they, if he had personal stuff going on at the house, as soon as he entered the building into our facility, he'll turn it off. So he knows how to balance and stuff like that. And that's one of the great ways of why he was a great leader for us because he knew how to turn it on and turn it off. And he, he was one of those guys you can always count on. Uh, he answered the phone every time. Uh, he always responds. Um, he responds as quick as possible. So he was those guys that you can just honestly depend on. And he's just that guy where, like, you wish – you wish, you know, things could have just obviously worked out a lot better. Um, but um, but I, he's, right now he's having a great time. Uh, he just got married uh, not too long ago. So, um, honestly and truly, like, he was just one of those friends where, you know, I could call now and he'll still answer the phone. So, despite of what all he has been through, it's just been awesome. And uh, it's been an honor to have him as a teammate. Jake, of course, is assistant at North Alabama right now. I think he's quarterback's coach uh, over mm-hmm. there, uh, I think. Uh, but he's at North Alabama starting his coaching career like his old man and his brother. So 
uh, he'll be he'll be pretty good. Uh, all right, so the a lot of people ask this because in before you got to Carolina in '09, Sean Elliott replaced Eric Wolford, mm-hmm. and then after Sean left to go take the Georgia State job. Eric Wolford replaced Sean Elliott. Uh, com- <laughs> compare play, compare playing for the, those two guys. Is there? I know it's all they, they both kind of like zone, you know, yeah. zone blocking. Yeah. Uh, but just kind of for for those that aren't like us, that aren't like you know X's and O's guys, explain kind of the difference or if there is any. I will tell you this right now: when it comes down to the intensity of coaching, none of those guys are are different. They are the exact same. Um, as far as the intensity in practice, seriously, like it's been so many days where like it's been so hard for me and they will be on me so much to a point where they will try to see how far I can go. But I would never fold though. But I know one thing about those two, they will get the best out of you. And that's the uh, great thing I love about both of them. They, they literally got the best out of me. And, um, you know, and a good thing about them, they're, they're kind of like fathers to, to me. Um, they will help you in any situation because they know football is so demanding and they know that, you know, that we all deal with things. And, um, I can literally call them and ask them what I need to do as far as like life and period. And they will always lead me the, uh, the, the right direction. I still call, I still talk with coach, uh, Eric Wolfer now yeah, to this day. He's currently at Alabama now, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I still talk to him today and we still have conversations and stuff like that. And, um, he always check on me, see what's going on in my life and, and stuff like that. So we always have that, that type of brotherhood or fatherhood, whatever you call it in, in my eyes and stuff like that. So I think, uh, with those two, uh, without them, I probably wouldn't be as far as, as as where I am today. How about Will Muschamp? What kind of relationship did you have with, with Coach Muschamp? You're, you're one of the guys that was just kind of basically there for the whole time. Oh man, I love Muschamp. Uh, Muschamp was always Muschamp was as 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 advertised. He he was intense, but the one thing about him, he would help you if you help him. So what I mean by that is. If you go out on the field and give it your all, he's going to give it your. He's going to give his all as far as helping you, as far as life. Like all those three, Coach Elliott, Coach Muschamp, and Coach Wolford, they all got that one thing in common. They all got that that fatherhood in them, where that they're not just viewed as a coach to me. You know, I can call on them for literally anything, as far as like type of jobs that I need to get or anything that I need to be successful in life. They all have that same trait where that I can count on those three to in, in anything. And I think that's a great asset as a, as a head coach, offensive line coach, whatever. I think that's a great asset to have because as a, as a player, you will want to feel comfortable coming to your coach as far as like, if you, going through things, uh, if you need help with anything, I think they're great coaches to uh, call on. So, Craig, in our chat box, he wants to know what your max squat was. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> max squat. So, it was uh, my junior year, I believe. Um, this is when Corey Miller, our uh, former strength coach, was down there. We had Coach Jeff Dillman. Um I know for a fact that my uh, max squat was 700 only because mm-hmm. 
me and Donnell was uh, partners every 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 <laughs> single time. So we was, so so we were partners. So we was literally doing the exact same weight on squat. And when it come max day, they told us not to do it because it was really no reason. To, there was no reason to put all that weight on you. So yeah. they knew that we could squat seven hundred because we did six hundred prior to that, and it was easy. So mm. we got the max day thing that we were going to max out that day, and we ended up didn't do it. And after the, after we got done maxing, we went to go paintballing. So that's how I remember like so that's how I remember. Uh so my max is seven hundred. But that was like my Ooh. junior year, so I'm I'm pretty sure it's a lot more now. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> well, Sedaris, man, this has been a pleasure. Uh I think I think if you give coaching some time, man, you'd be pretty good at it. I think you got the yes, personality sir. and certainly the the track record and a great story to tell. So um look. We're big Georgia State fans around here. We always pull for Coach Elliott and certainly uh, wish you guys the best this year. It's a big year. The Sun Belt's a tough league these days. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah, a lot of good teams. So, uh, But anyway, man, we, we certainly appreciate you coming on and uh, really wish you the best. And uh, I'll holler at you soon, man. And uh, by the way, check your phone. Uh, I, I sent you a little uh, message. So, Okay. Appreciate we'll you, We'll see man. you soon, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So Darius Hutchinson. All right. One of the Thank best you. of the Muschamp era. No uh, doubt. Great guy. You know, just tremendous. Uh, like I said, was a, was a, was a really big rec- – one of those recruiting stories, Phil, um, kind of like uh, there was a player that played at Carolina in the 90s, John Abraham, uh, and the late Brad Lawing found him at Lamar, and he was like 190 pounds and turned into a monster – that's kind of what happened with Sedarius. He's sitting there at 220 and uh, was great. And, you know, look, I know a lot of uh, – a lot of folks get, get ill about the Muschamp era. And I understand because we're all results-oriented. And, 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 and I have no problem with results being results-oriented. But there were – during that era, and part of the reason I – you know, I get anxiety thinking about it sometimes is that there were a lot of really, really, really good people, players, coaches, staff involved that gave it their all to succeed. And it just didn't happen. It wasn't like a, and I'll never know. I'll never know why things didn't work out for Will Muschamp at Florida or Carolina. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's an easy answer. Maybe it's, maybe it was the strength coach and all the injuries. Um, because it happened everywhere else. But uh, I, uh, you know, I look back on it, you know, that there are you know, relationships that these guys have with each other. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I'm still friends with a lot of those guys from that era to this day. Uh, and, and it wasn't like maybe the Brad Scott era where, you know, it got toward the end and it was obvious what Scott should have done, like change up his defense, and he didn't. Because yeah. he was and, and, he, and he sunk or, or a Sparky Woods where he was kind of in over his head getting in the SEC and the administration did him no trolls. Everything was in place. Must have hired good coaches. He recruited well. Um, and I think offensively, maybe there were some things that they could have worked on. But it, a lot of people during that era, right or wrong, really put their heart and soul in, into this program and just didn't work out. Uh, and, and that's sad when you kind of think about it. Uh, I'm certainly happy Shane Beamer is doing what he's doing, and I think the future's bright. But, uh, you know, a lot of those guys that played under Muschamp, Hutcherson, Jake Bentley, Rico Dowdle, 
J.C. Horn, the list goes on. They're Gamecocks, too. Okay. They're Gamecocks, too. So uh, always remember that, you know. <laughs> uh, we don't, you know, you don't ostracize them and stuff. That's what I, whenever I hear crap about, like, all oh, these guys are from the Muschamp era, blah, blah, blah. No, they- They're not this, that, and the other. I'm like, well, Beamer inherited a bunch of them, and a bunch of them were helping Carolina win games. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think there's a difference. It's not, it's not like when Spurrier took over and there were a bunch of problem children on the team, and they were children. They acted like children. You know, a lot of those guys <laughs> Spurrier had to kick off, or when Holtz took over, just a defeated group that was talented but had to be picked back up, and then proceeded to beat them down for a year and then build them back up. Um, <laughs> You know, or, or, or you know, uh, or when Muschamp took over, and there were a lot of good kids, but there just wasn't a lot of damn talent. I mean, none. I mean, you can look and see who who were the starters that year. A lot of ton of freshmen, a uh, ton of newcomers in, in the lineup, and so I just, uh, you know, blind squirrel who's a Georgia fan says if Muschamp had Todd Monken as OC, Carolina might have been unbeatable. Todd Monken in the zone like he was the last couple of years, I think it'd have been a lot better, but. You know what? I, I'm not even so sure. Now, look, Kurt Roper, I certainly had issues with Kurt Roper and certainly had issues with BMAC. Neither one of those guys were anything close to Marcus Satterfield as far as being awful. Okay, that's no. A. Yeah, that's a different those, I mean, that wasn't even compared. Those two were like Andy <laughs> Reid and Bill Walsh, the second coming of Bill Walsh compared to compared to Satterfield. Like, I'll say that right now. Uh, same with Mike Bobo, who I obviously have a lot of respect for. But the, the, if you want to, if you want to point to one thing that that the Muschamp era that that took the run, it, injuries, yeah, derailed. They it. were never healthy ever. From the no. time he got there, the first the first year he was there, Phil uh, Sky Moore's got a neck contusion. He's got a neck. <laughs> He's out for the whole He's year. Got a neck. And, and uh, I know, and, and he had so great look, players. I, I, that that's what it, the Muschamp era is really interesting because it's like you you. You're you're putting guys in the league. You're obviously you, you've got talent. You're you know developing guys enough to where they're moving on to the next level. But you just you can't quite put it all together, right? Like the the puzzle pieces just didn't fit. Yeah, and it, it's t- and it's tough. And you know, and you, you just heck, I don't even think Will could probably put his finger on why things didn't work out at Florida and Carolina. I, I, I'm, I'm like I'm sure there's something. I'm sure there is something. Yeah. Uh, and I, th- I think, though, if I look at it, if you look at it and you really kind of break it down game by game as far as who was available and who wasn't, I don't know of many coaches, you know, considering the depth of South Carolina on an annual basis that really could have even hung around. I mean, people forget Steve Spurrier's teams, by and large, with the exception of the Marcus Lattimore injuries, which were tragic, they were always healthy. Uh, I'll go back to 09. And uh, South Carolina had Reed McCollum sitting behind Stephen Garcia. Had Stephen, who ran the ball a lot, gotten hurt that year? <laughs> that team doesn't—they don't beat Clemson. They don't beat that team. They don't—they don't beat Clemson. They don't go to a bowl. They don't—they don't even get the opportunity to be embarrassed in Birmingham in the from the frozen pizza bowl. So the Spurrier's teams were always very, very healthy, and and unfortunately, the the injury bug followed well to Columbia, and that's that. Like I said, I'm not pining for those days or anything. I'm happy Beamer's here. I think Shane's an excellent coach there. You know, we talk about how well Muschamp recruits. Beamer's recruited beyond those expectations. Uh, the future is extremely bright at South Carolina. 
Uh, and I get it. I get it. But um, that era is always going to be one that, that, that to me, when we look back on it, it's going to be fascinating because you're, you're going to be like, well, I mean, look at all the coaches they had that went on to coach at Alabama. Uh, I can see Georgia because, you know, BMAC and Mustamp and Bobo are alums. But, I mean, Kirby's not going to hire some guys that can't coach. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and neither is Nick Saban. I mean, all the guys that yeah. went on, you know, Thomas Brown, who was here for a cup of coffee, who, who may be a head coach in the NFL soon. I mean, a lot of good coaches, Des Kitchings, Bobby Bentley. I mean, all those guys that came through can coach. It's not like they can't coach. Um, and they had a lot of really good players. And they won some games to a point. And then the bottom fell out. And the pandemic hit. I mean, to me, you know, the injuries are one thing. But the must champ, there, there's something had something to do with a little bit of – I don't necessarily believe in luck. I think you make your own luck. But listen to this, man. So you go four and eight. You, you lose your your senior quarterback to a freak injury first game of the season, lose to freaking North Carolina. You had a freshman that was way up and down and then decided after his up and down freshman year, he just wasn't going to do anything anymore. You know, who is because he's already got, he's already arrived, right? The anointed yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you go, but, but you look at it and you have a lot of players back, a lot of players getting healthy. That 2020 team had guys coming back, had Marshawn Lloyd coming in, Jordan Birch coming in, guys like that. And so you're like, okay, with an off season, we can get it going. <laughs> Well, then a global pandemic strikes. Pandemic. Yeah, it's pandemic time. <laughs> you, you, and you hired Mike Bobo. You hired Mike Bobo to fix the offense once and yeah. for all, right? <laughs> global yeah, pandemic man. strikes. You get no spring practice. Your 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 star freshman quarterback like just walks goes off the edge. You're starting a guy, a quarterback you brought in to be a grad assistant against the all S and all SEC schedule. Marshawn Lloyd gets hurt the first day of practice. I mean, yeah. uh, and then you got to play like back to, I mean, you know, and then COVID w- was set up that season and all coaches had to deal with this. You didn't know who was available week to week. So that all added up to two and five and then, you know, two and eight after Mike took over. Um, <laughs> but KFC said Bobo went to UGA this year. He's been at UGA. He was an analyst last year yeah. and is going to be, uh, going to be um, the offensive coordinator this year. And I think he'll do a good job. Craig said we had four or five pretty good players at the time on defense or offense, but not 11, and that wasn't enough to be good teams. Yeah, but you also had three or four out every game. You're, you're right. missing your, your top guys, Craig. I mean, that was that was the thing about it. I mean, you know, I think some of these guys stay healthy. They're, they're really good players. And, and, and you got to think, who are you replacing them with when they're out? Somebody not as good, <laughs> uh, you know. That's why that's why teams like Georgia and Bama could sustain. Ohio State could sustain because the the injuries don't they don't bother them. You know, if a quarterback decides he's not going to come to practice, you know, just because he doesn't want to practice that day or whatever, you know, they have a guy right behind him that can rock and roll. Uh, you know, those teams don't have just one wide receiver, Chad Smith. It was Chad Smith and Nick Muse, and that was it. But uh, anyway, enough about all that. I, I just, uh, I, uh, yeah, Jam Williams playing out of position due to injuries. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Jam, if I had a personnel, you know, but they, I don't know. Uh, uh, we could talk all day about the must champ here, but we won't. 
anyway, <laughs> it was great to hear from Sedarius Hutcherson. I'll say that right now. Uh, yeah, and I think that guy's got a future. Keep your eye on that one. He's going to be, uh, he's going to be something special. Just a very, uh, very good guy and all that. So here we go. Uh, oh, yeah. So here we go. Break. Sorry. Break. Inside the Game Break. Custom Show. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Joe, And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. End of summer, go Tiger. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find a West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. This is Colmerson from the Yardcocks. Electric Bikes of Charleston powers inside the Gamecocks, the show. Be sure to check them out online or in Mount Pleasant. Go Gamecocks. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, second hour of the show. Sitting here reading some of these. Uh, I was actually checking in on the uh, Titanic submarine. I didn't know, <laughs> didn't know if that was still going on or if there was a rescue there. What happened? I am not sure. I'm, I'm getting an update now. I'm thinking it's still missing. I don't know. I heard they heard some uh, some like a pounding noise, banging sounds. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, I'm too claustrophobic to think. Man, there's no way. (laughs) Not a chance. Can't do that either. Not me, dude. Not me. And it's uh, it's something else there. Uh, Anyway, 
<laughs> uh, that's uh, uh, it gives me the heebie-jeebies to think about. So um, I uh, I don't know. I certainly wish them the best. Uh, I did see today where their hiring practices at the particular um, company, according to the, the guy that owned it or ran it, had, had gone a little, um, I don't know, shall we say, woke. Uh, and I think, uh, and that's fine. I'm all for doing whatever with, with your hiring. If you, you structure your staff how you want. I do think, though, if, if there was, I'm not even going to say it. Just, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not going there. Just, <laughs> just, I, I, I think sometimes, you know, if you, if you, if you don't go, I, I think in certain jobs, you, you need to go qualify qualifications overall because there's safety issues, you know? Um, well, I mean, yeah, you should, you should want the best people <laughs> for the job. <laughs> Especially, Especially when, when you're, you're talking about that, I mean, you know, putting yes. people down at the bottom of the damn ocean. You know, <laughs> you're gonna send them to the bottom of the sea. So, <laughs> now, anyway, I'm not. I, I forget I said I wasn't. I, you know, I just read that today, and I was like, ah. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they did qualify. I mean, maybe the people that hired are super qualified. I'm just that was definitely pointed out. So I was like, oh man, you know, don't don't hire unqualified people, right? Don't, no. don't do that. Make sure they're hot. That, yeah, and, and I don't. I, I'm always kind of like, uh, I'm a little unorthodox with with people I hire or partner with. I mean, when I was a sports editor in a small town in Georgia in the early 2000s, before I got on the internet, I had two female sports writers. I would I would venture to say there's probably not another small town paper in the South that had that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I worked with it. You know, I've uh, I don't think there's anything wrong working with your friends as long as your friends are competent. Right. Um, you know, that's that's the kind of thing. So uh, anyway, J, uh, Quantrust is J.C. Random, but I saw on TikTok, South Carolina is the her- third highest with influx of new families behind Texas and Florida. Families, yes. Total people moving there. Mm, I don't know. Uh, I know Arizona, Idaho, Florida, Texas, Georgia. Uh, but for families specifically, that's probably the case. Um and I do think as South Carolina continues to grow, uh, and, and I've been in this business. See, uh, when I came into this business in 04, Phil, in recruiting, you didn't have a lot of data. You had population data, and you could correlate that with number of players pretty easily. Yeah. But, you know, you didn't. You couldn't really go back in time. You know, you could go trace the rise of Florida and Florida State and Miami to Florida's population boom. You know, Florida State used to be an all-women teacher school. You know, Florida was never worth donkey, you know, even with Spurrier winning a Heisman there. Um, they were a lot like South Carolina, a lot. Don't let them tell you otherwise. Didn't go to an NCAA basketball tournament until 87. The Gators. Miami dropped sports for a while. <laughs> you know, they, they were kind of wondering whether or not they were going to even play sports. Um but that population boomed, and there you go. The population around Atlanta going nuts has given Georgia – there's always been great football players in Georgia, but it's given Georgia an even greater advantage. Um, so we've been in it long enough. Like, I look at Tennessee now as an example. Like, the state of Tennessee, when when Fulmer was there, and he'd, you know, of course, he'd whine and cry and complain. 
We just don't have that many players in our state. And, well, and not to mention he's in East Tennessee, which doesn't have a lot of players. I mean, they're Nashville West, basically. Sedarius, you know, like I said, he's in between Nashville and Memphis. Uh, and then the Memphis, Memphis is basically in Mississippi, in Arkansas. And they're much closer to the Western schools than, than Knoxville. Um, but when he was there, but then like, okay, so the population in Nashville started growing 20 years ago, leaps and bounds, more money flowing into the school districts, more money flowing into athletics departments. That means they can hire coaches. That means they can get equipment. That means they have a bigger pool of players to pull from. That means they can train their guys better. It goes on and on and on. It's not that Nashville was never a football town. It certainly is. But, uh, they, they, the more people you have, the more it it, it, it funnels into football um, when you're talking about, you know, state numbers and stuff. Now, nothing beats a small town high school football program. I mean, it, it's it's beautiful. It, it's what this it, it's part of the fabric of this country. Yeah, you know, we've all seen the movies. We've seen Varsity Blues. I don't want your life, West Canaan. I don't want your life. <laughs> And a varsity blue, and uh, 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 sorry, yeah, Friday Night Lights, you know, Odessa Pierman, that's a famous one. Uh, all the right moves, Pitts, uh, small town, Steel Mill, Pennsylvania. Um, so look, uh, that, that's always going to be there. But when you're talking about running numbers, so now the state of Tennessee, whereas they used to produce maybe seven to 10 max a lot like Arkansas, this 20 to 25. Um, now, the numbers have been down in South Carolina recently. South Carolina has a bigger population than Alabama, okay, by about 200,000. So, so go figure. You know, how how is this happening? I think part of it is uh, with the rise of Clemson and sort of their recruiting philosophy, heavy out of state, uh and then South Carolina struggling, you know, the, the analysts, so to speak, they don't evaluate the state because they just assume there's nobody here. And that's not true. Um, and that's number one. Number two, there's not as much foot traffic. Uh, I remember in, in class of 06, 07, 08, but like, like, all right, Scotty Cooper, for example, that uh, ended up, Carolina ended up losing him to Clemson. Uh, never really got going at Clemson, but was a four-star legit prospect. Scotty Cooper, Alabama, Auburn, uh, you know, Florida, Ole Miss, every, everybody came in and they did it. Well, now, you know, out of state, UNC will dabble here and there. Georgia will come in to try to get a great one. Um, uh, out, out, And this is outside of the cities. You know, obviously the kids from Hammond had a lot of offers and stuff like that a few years ago. Uh, NC State and Virginia Tech are basically the only two programs that they come over or come in and, and do much, and they've always kind of been there. So it, it, it's a little different. But as South Carolina grows, provided there's not an issue with the high school league that, you know, some people have kind of alluded to it, some people haven't. Maybe it's practice time. Uh, but if, say, South Carolina puts resources into football and if there aren't rules that the high school league is passing – uh, that that hold the programs back and hold back player development, uh, then I think, you know, it's it's legit that those numbers can get back to 20 to 25. Yeah, that's good for the Gamecocks. Uh, I'm glad they're recruiting all over the place right now. But, you know, the more in-state talent, the better. Um, so so there you go. Uh, Craiger says they're not even seats on that submarine vessel. They're all billionaires sitting on the floor in a 15-foot tube. How many talks about life do you think they've had? Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. 
<laughs> I could only imagine. There's one time I hired an Instagram influencer to fly halfway across the world and poop on my face. I paid her $1.5 <laughs> <laughs> That's funny right there. <laughs> could you imagine the stories that you get to? I mean, what, what a billionaire talk yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. Woo-hoo. Woo. Woo. Who was that? Was that Dana? Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. down there. Yeah. <laughs> Are the kids back yet? Or is that? Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they she went this morning that's to cool. pick them up and they just got back here uh, a while that's ago. Sweet. So they're going nuts. <laughs> uh, Darrell says when Jerron Willis transferred in as a linebacker, looked at his high school highlights. They're very impressive. Haven't seen or heard anything about him since. Any reason for that? Yeah. Darrell, I mean, he just went through one spring practice. Um, He's at one of the linebacker spots. I, you know, he was just just completed his freshman year at Ole Miss, uh, so he's still young. Um, I liked what I saw out of him in the spring game. One thing I've heard about him is he'll hit you. He will. He will strike you. And so that's good. He's physical, um, but I think he's got a bright future. It's too early to tell on a lot of these guys. Uh, Drew says JC joined late. Sorry if you already covered it. Does, Liam Andrews kid have any film at DT? I think it's all end. Or will this be a project player? What would you rank him? I like where he's ranked, and I like him as a D lineman. Um, he's ranked in the top what one fifty in the country. Uh, he's projected as an O lineman by twenty four seven, but uh, he's big, athletic, he's quick off the ball, and I like that uh, about him. Uh, and he's tough. He's got a little. He's got a little moxie to it, right? So I like him. Crager says Abbeville, talking about small town high school football. Absolutely. Absolutely. Clint says 94 four star. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind if when Clint evaluates. I, I kind of yeah. like it. I, I appreciate people that care. Uh, J, uh, Blind Squirrel says JC given Georgia's inability to recruit players from Buford. <laughs> Does, dude, and it's been that way for a long Like when I worked in Gainesville, Buford was part of our coverage territory. Those kids never went to Georgia. Never. <laughs> one. No. <laughs> no, they never did. I'm trying to think if one did. No, they didn't. Uh, Dexter Wood was the coach there, then old Alabama guy. Uh, does Dylan Rayola there give Auburn a chance to flip him for UGA? I would not just say no. I would say hell no. <laughs> By the way, Georgia did get a kid, Mikey Anderson, out of, out of Buford while I was there. Um so, no, no, I, 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 the Georgia's, he's going to Georgia. He's just, he's just coming to play at Buford to get used to the humidity, man. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, looks like another coastal catcher transferring to Florida. Some of these teams are going to feel like a farm team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, hey, Florida's got the NIL bucks with baseball right now. Um, Clitz has a lot of talks about how money isn't that important right now. Yeah. Uh, Quantrill says Gunnar Stockton will be an Auburn Tiger. Maybe Vandergriff. I don't know about Stockton, man. In fact, knowing Bobo, it wouldn't surprise me if Rayola doesn't beat it, can't beat Stockton out. Just a, just a hunch. No inside info at that point. Hmm. Um, Clint's like, I know JC Sherbert, obviously. Now, Clint, I'm sure your hair looks better than mine. <laughs> so, 
Uh, anyway, all right. So a lot of you have asked about the T-shirts. Uh, I'm going to try to get all those out today because I'm going to have a post on this anyway. Uh, we got to get a break. What was that? A ghost in the machine? It's, it's not like the cat ran like right across the top of the roof there. <laughs> it ran right down the stairs. I mean, they are going. Everything has <laughs> just gone nuts since the girls got home. <laughs> yeah, Quantrill's uh, like, I wonder where Stockton was that dude. It's just a hunch of mine. I may be wrong. I've been wrong before, and they'll be wrong again. Well, he's Bobo's boy, uh, too. That's, uh, you know, I mean. Yeah, they've known each other for I mean, a that's, long yeah, time. He's, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so, anyway, all right, final break uh, inside the Gamecocks of show. We'll be back after these messages. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS. L S two 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 nine L O N M L S one seven seven two one eight two. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as one hundred sixty dollars per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Ethan Petrie from Land Lakes, Florida. And you are listening to the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. On a deep drive to left. Morgan looks up and it is gone. Two is sent to center, and this one is going to be long gone. Shot the opposite field from Casas, and it's gone. 2-0. Strip deep to left. One looks up, and it's gone.
that? Two All-Americans coming back on the baseball team. That's uh, not a bad start. <laughs> you got to figure these uh, portal kids, some of this is going to work out too, so. You got a solid group coming into next year's baseball season. Yeah, I was surprised by the. I, I was kind of really kind of taken aback by the, the kid from mm-hmm. Maryland. I, I thought I thought that was a jump in the portal and jump to Carolina kind of situation. Um, but uh, uh, Kennedy Jones, who it didn't look like he was coming to Carolina, and now he he, he you know, I guess the Gamecocks are kind of the team to beat and. I don't know that I wouldn't – I mean, I love 25 home runs as a freshman and all that, but I love Kitty Jones more. I mean, you see, Jones and, and Amick and the kid from North Florida, they got the leadoff guy. Those are those are not, like, necessarily, like – you know, South Carolina a lot of power guys in their lineup. Those are diverse-type hitters. Those are guys that can go yard, but they're not just big boppers. And so I don't know that – Having a guy, it's having more guys like that isn't better than your straight up power guys. Because you got Cassis coming back, you got Messina, and you got Petri. Now, now yeah. Petri's a great overall hitter anyway. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, uh, I don't know. Did you guys finish the the interview with GA Mangus the other day when my, my power went out? Or did, was that was, was that a no starter? Yeah, no, we were able to talk. Yeah, yeah, we were we were able to have a decent conversation with GA. That's why every, every time he's talked GA, he, he he did it with. Well, we'll see what happens. It's like picking that up. So like, we'll see what happens. You know. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Michael Williamson asked, uh, "Who would you like to replace Curtis Fry? Since guys, since guys like Nick Harbor want to play football and run track, I don't know that much about track coaches, man. I would try to get a guy that's done some really good things." I mean, like they say, so during the Nick Harbor recruitment, what were we hearing, Phil? The guy in Maryland was a really good track coach, like really good. Right. Yeah. Go, I mean, Maryland can obviously pay because they're in the Big Ten, although they only get fifteen thousand. By the way, if you guys want some dirt on Maryland, like if you're if you're one of those that talk smack to Maryland fans on Twitter, go read the article in the Athletic about their program, where they openly say they average twenty one thousand a game in attendance, uh, leaving the ACC as, as happy as their admin was, their fan base is just the abandoned ship. Why are we in the big 10 again? You know, um, I mean, I was shocked. I was like, wow. So, um, but yeah, he was uh, during the Harbor recruitment. I remember hearing the, uh, the track coach at Maryland was pretty first class. So go get him. It's easier to coach track in South Carolina than it is coaching up north. I'll tell you that right now. Um, so, Craig says, do you contact Kimberly about his players and see where we stand? I, Craig, uh, that's not necessarily a question that's off limits. I just – I try not to talk about who I talk to about things uh, just so they can talk openly about things. I'll tell you this right the heck now. Everybody thought – that uh, during Beamer's first year with all the Satterfield stuff, that it was Eric Kimry that was feeding. Eric Kimry never once talked to me about Mark Satterfield. It was multiple additional people and some that would make your head spin. Okay. <laughs> so I did not. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I got nothing from Eric Kimry about that. And he knew that because, you know, we had 
gotten to know each other before he got the job. And I, I wasn't, I, you know, I, I didn't want to do that, but, uh, but um, yeah, let's just say, you know, I think that uh, I think the Gamecocks are in the mix and uh, all that. Do, do I think that Amari Jefferson's coming to South Carolina? I don't, I can't say that right now. Um, uh, but uh, I do think that, uh, Every kid they have there, I think, will there will at least be some sort of passing interest, and that's all you can ask for uh, with all that. So, um, I think your receivers. Uh, I'd look towards the state of Virginia. I'd look towards the state of North Carolina. Maybe a couple other places. <laughs> when you're talking about who the receivers will be in this class, South Carolina obviously with Mazio Bennett, um, but I think they'll sign another excellent group there. Actually. Um, anyway, well, we took it home pretty pretty stellarly. This second hour flew by, Phil. Yeah, no, yeah, we're right through it. Went right through it. Thursday tomorrow, we got uh, some folks lined up. Who's oh, we got? Yeah, Patrick Demarco tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, man, Pat Demarco. Speaking of former Gamecocks, that's right. Yeah, eleven yeah, twenty, I believe, and then uh, Chris Phillips on Friday this week, as opposed to his Thursday. Appearance. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, for Philip Molinax, this is JC Sherbert. Everybody have a wonderful Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow. Inside the Game Crash Show, signing off. <laughs>